right, folks, I know that it's five after. Not everybody is here, but we need to go ahead and get started. My name's Mickey Christopher. I'm a children and family life pastor at Dayspring Church in Bowling Green. I also work for Josh Denhart and lead volunteers. Um, the things that we're going to talk about today, some comes from Josh, some comes from me. But I'm hoping that what we accomplish today is showing you how to create a team and then hang on to them because that's, that's the hard part is keeping them in place. Yes? Oh, see, my friends, they show up late. Derek. <laughs> you were eating. You want to eat my lunch for me? It's in the box. Okay. All right. So anytime during a presentation, if you have any questions, please feel free to ask. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you interrupt me. If we go over something and you're just not real clear on how do I make that happen, I have examples for you that will be on the screen. And here come more. We'll just wait a minute. <laughs> He's been here 20 seconds, girl. <laughs> So if you have any questions during the presentation, please stop me and ask. We're going to go over a lot of material, and we don't have a ton of time to do it in, and there should be time at the end for questions. The name of this course is Retaining Volunteers, Never Lose a Good One. Please note, it does not say never lose one. <laughs> it says never lose a good one. When you get those volunteers that you wish that you could clone and morph into more, you want to hang on to them. But how do we make that happen? That's always a struggle in ministry. If you don't find a way to hang on to your volunteers and you've got that rotating in and out, that, that revolving door problem, you never get completely where you need to be. You never have a fully trained team. You never have a fully effective team. So today we're going to start to cover that. So in order to make this happen, what's the first thing you have to do? It's kind of obvious. Find the good ones. The 80-20 rule applies here. 80% or 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work in the church, which means that my ministry shares with securities ministry, shares with the sound booth. I've got people from my church here today that I'm going to pick on a little bit, but he's been warned. But we have to share, and that's a problem, because even though our church is pretty good sized, if we have, I'll just use VBS as an example, we also have a Pentecostal rally going on at the same time. So I want Ethan to come and run sound for me in my VBS at that end of the building, and Pastor Jeremy wants Ethan to run sound for the Pentecost rally in the worship center. I can't split him in two, can I? I can try. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to your wife about that. See if we'll, st we'll stitch you back together, if nothing else. We can't split them apart. But there's got to be enough people to go around. There has to be. We are doing God's work. God knows what we need better than anybody else. God knows who we need, he knows what talents we need, and we're doing his ministry. So if we have needs, the first place we should go is to him. Step one is to pray, and I'm going to get on, I'm going to step on some toes right now. When I say you need to pray for help, 
I do not mean walk in your office and go, oh, Lord, help me, and be done. That is not how it works. We are Pentecostal people. We know how to pray, and we know how to pray in the Spirit. We know how to ask God to give us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. And sometimes he knows better than we do what it is that we need and when we'll need it. He will ask, you need to ask him to impress on your heart, speak to your head, whatever he needs to do, the names of the people that you need to have come and serve in your ministry. Stacy, you're making me nervous. That's okay. See, my friends have no respect for me whatsoever. They all walk in the door late. It's, it's, oh. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> you lie in church. Shame on you. <coughs> While we're here, we're having church. Yes. Okay. We are Pentecostal people. We know how to pray. Ask God to impress on your heart. Ask him to lead you to those people. Ask him to lead those people to you. About four weeks ago, we had a miracle service at our church on a Sunday night. And I was in the miracle service, and I was praying with people at the altar. And when service was over, a member of our security team, who also is my bodyguard frequently, I love her so much, came to me, and she said, Pastor Mickey, God gave me a word, and I need to talk with you. Can I have lunch with you? Now, she's been serving on our security team for about five years. And I said, absolutely. We went to lunch. We were sitting there, and we were just having a nice lunch and small talk. And out of left field, she says to me, I was an ordained pastor at the church that we moved from when we lived in Georgia. I work with children. I love children. And I feel like God is calling me to serve on your team. Now, I had been praying for someone of that caliber to come and help us with our kids' ministry for months. My assistant Sarah and I had been praying hard for God to send us a third person because I'm starting to travel more, and I need someone who can step in and step on the stage and do what needs to be done without losing the kids and boring their socks off. And there was Lisa. God sent her straight to me. He knew what I needed. He knew who I needed. He knew when I needed her, and he sent her because I asked. So when you pray, make it pointed, make it specific, and make it hard. I think we insult God when we don't ask him to do miracles. I really do. Derek, do you disagree? No, you don't? Awesome. He is so big, and he is so capable, and sometimes we put him in this tiny little box, and we say, okay, Lord, I need 25 people to work in kids' ministry for Sunday morning, but if you'll send me 10, I'll make it work. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Think about that for a minute. So the very first thing that you do is you pray. The next thing that you do is not what you think it is. You do not start making phone calls. The next thing you do is you create a plan. This is for those of us who are creative and love to make things beautiful and big and, and make the music play and do all the things. This is like pulling wisdom teeth daily for a month. But it has to be done in order for you to be effective. The first thing that you need to do in creating a plan is you need to prepare a list of positions that you need to fill. For me, because I'm very visual, 
I started at the front door of my church, and I imagined Sunday morning a guest walking through. I knew the church provides greeters that meet them at the front door. We do not just say to them, oh yeah, you go around that giant staircase and there's a doorway there and you walk back through there and eventually you'll see computers and people and somebody will help you. We don't play that game. They walk them back to my check-in station. Once they get there, I know I need to have a minimum of two people in my check-in station. After they leave the check-in station, I'm going to show you my list. After they leave my check-in station, if they're, and we're just working with kids' church kids at this point, they need to come back to my check-in table. I need a minimum of two people at my check-in table. Then they bring the child, whoever checks them in, brings the child back into the kids' church room where my small group leaders and the rest of my volunteers are there to greet the kids and invite them in to what we have going on with our pre-service activities. I also need a game leader. I need six worship leaders. I need someone to run sound, Ethan. I need someone to run video. I need actors to help me with the Bible story. And I need people who will do my puppet ministry. So if you add all of that up, it comes to about 24 people. Do I need 24 people on Sunday morning? I could, but I don't necessarily need 24 people. My worship leaders can help be the actors for the Bible story, and they can also be my puppet cast. The ones that I cannot share, I cannot share my small group leaders because their job is to be on the floor with the kids. I cannot share my sound guy and my video guy because if they leave the crow's nest, everything falls apart. Um, and I can't share me because I have responsibilities on the stage. So you break it down for every single one of your ministries. You need to walk through every one of your ministries. I had to do this with Sunday morning, with Wednesday night, which is almost as big as Sunday morning, with Kids Hope USA, with the van ministry, and on and on and on. I wound up with a binder that had job descriptions that fit each one of those jobs. You need to have in place, before you ever talk to anybody, job descriptions that are written out that you can hand to them that tells them exactly what it is that you're asking them. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a tendency to go, Stacy, I need you to come and work for me on Sunday morning. And I take her in, and she's passed her background check, and we've done all the things, and I throw her in there and say, go do it. Exactly. I'm going to throw you in a room with 70 kids, and I'm not going to give you any direction. I'm just going to expect you to instinctively know what you're supposed to do. That doesn't work. And a lot of you are here with security. That's dangerous because we're trusting you to protect us and to protect our kids. And if you haven't given your team members exactly what you need them to know and exactly what you need them to do, you're going to have some serious problems, and it's going to happen quick. So after you prepare job descriptions for each person, first I'll show you, this is a sample of one of my job descriptions. This is for one of my JB2 coaches. <coughs> I give them the job title, who they report to. They do not report to me. They report to my JBQ director. The effective date for when they would begin working, their qualifications, and from here to here, 
it's almost exactly the same for every single one of my ministries. So they have to. This is not anything that you can compromise on. They have to possess a heart for Jesus and want to impart that love to children. For security, they have to have a heart for Jesus, and they have to have a heart for protecting God's people. They have to do that. If you compromise on this, I'm just begging you, please don't. If we put people in ministry who are not following after Jesus, they're going to be setting examples that we don't want our body to see, whether it's new believers or kids or teenagers. If you put somebody in there who plays Christian on Sunday morning and the kids go to Walmart and they see him walking around dragging on a cigarette and cussing up a storm, this is not okay. We represent God's house. And we need to make sure that the people that work with us also represent God's house. So they have to possess a heart for Jesus. They have to, and we only do this for security and for kids' ministry. They have to be a Dayspring member or a regular attendee for at least six months. And the reason that we do that is that we need to get to know you before we put you in one of those very, very important positions. We need to know that you're safe to be with my kids even after I do a background check. We need to know that we can trust you not to be standing off in a corner if you're on the security team having a gab with your wife while somebody walks through the front door and goes in and takes out the lead pastor because you weren't paying attention. We can't have that happen. So we need to get to know you before we put you on either one of those teams. Good organizational and communication skills are very important, but that doesn't apply to all of my teams. My van drivers do not need to know how to be organized. They just have to have a good driving record and get my kids to the church. They need to successfully pass the day spring background check and pastoral interview, and they have to commit to the day spring safety training. Anybody who works with anybody under the age of 18 and anybody who is on our security team has to pass these two steps and they've got a time limit to get it done and if they don't have it in the time limit then they're suspended until we put them until we get those things done with the the background check and the pastoral interview that has to happen before we'll ever put you on a schedule so there are things that you have to be very firm with if your brother-in-law comes to you and he's a state highway patrolman and he says why do i have to pass your background check I work for Ohio State Highway. Why do I need to do that? Because I have to have a piece of paper in my file that says, you passed my background check, and if somebody comes in, if something happens, and you do something stupid, I've got something to back up the fact that you're still allowed to be here. I don't know from Adam if you're in trouble at work or not, right? And it has to happen every three years. We go back through, we redo the background checks, and we redo the interviews. We redo the, the, help me, when you call people and say, would you trust this person? Thank you. We check their references. Wow. <laughs> I don't know where it's, ah, you failed me, Stacy. It's okay. All right, so once you get to that, after you've, you've the qualifications are those, then the duties apply to the specific job that you're hiring them to do. 
And I'm not going to go through that because I don't think any of you, you want to be JBQ coaches for me today, do you? Because I'll take you. You know, <laughs> we can talk. Mm, that's, yes, exactly. Never miss a moment. So once you have these in place for every single one of your spots, then you're ready to do the next thing. Then it's time to recruit. You take the list of people that God has laid on your heart or that he's sent to you that have come to you and said, I really want to work with your ministry. And you do not, if I find out you did, I will find you and take a shoe and throw it at your head. <laughs> do not just sit, you I do it to anyway, just cause. Do not just send a mass email that says, God laid you on my heart, will you come work for me? I know pastors would do that, and they're like, Mickey, why isn't it working? Are you kidding me? Don't do that. Make a personal ask. Find them in church on Sunday morning. Invite them to lunch or coffee or tea or whatever it is that floats your boat and fits in your budget. Take them someplace nice that's comfortable, that you can have a conversation with them without having to deal with a lot of interruptions. The waitress is going to come over. That's about the most interruption you want to have to deal with. We have a coffee shop in Bowling Green that I just love. It's called Flatlands, and they've got a whole room in the back, and I go back there and sleep. It's awesome. If you have some place like that, make use of it. Make the personal ask. If you send an email to someone and they don't respond to you, it's because you've given them a very impersonal I'm just looking for human-shaped blobs to be in my room, kind of an invitation. You don't want to do that. Make it personal. When you meet with them, be prepared to share these four things, where they'll serve, what their responsibilities will be, how often they'll be serving, and how long is their commitment. Don't put them in there. I grabbed Stacy. I threw her in a room with 70 kids. I didn't tell her what I expected her to do, and she's looking at me going, is this forever? Can, can I get out of this at some point in time? So with Dayspring, we ask for a 12-month commitment, and we renew it every 12 months. I have a training and a meeting with all of my staff, with all of my Kidman staff every May. And we sit down and we talk about what worked, what didn't work, and that's another thing that I don't have a slide for, but I need to make a slide for. Give your workers a voice. Let them be heard. They're, you can't be everywhere. You can't be everything. You can't do everything. Listen to what they're telling you about things that are going right and things that are not going right and suggestions that they have to correct things. Because they're seeing things from a perspective that you're not necessarily seeing. I'm up on the stage. I've got workers that are down there on their knees with these little people. And they'll come to me and say, little Johnny came to me this morning and said, Grandma died. Did you know Grandma was sick? No, I didn't know Grandma was sick. What do we need to do? Well, I didn't know what to do because you never taught me how to deal with that kind of a situation. That's a problem. That's a big problem. So the next step, after you go through this and they say yes, train them. Take the time to have good, solid training for your team. They're going to be in a position where they're excited. 
to do what God's called them to do. You've given them the opportunity to step into this role. Hot dog, let's do it. I want to minister to meet some kids. Awesome. Sit down. We got to talk. When we have training, whoops, I hit the wrong button. Sorry, guys. When we have trainings, don't just throw them into the room and expect them to know what to do, like I said. Hold trainings for your teams a minimum of twice a year because you're still, even if you keep those good volunteers, if your church grows, you're going to be bringing more in. Things happen, and even if you're retaining most of your good volunteers, life happens. People get transferred. People get sick. People get called to heaven. People get called to go to other places. We're always going to have to replace somebody. It's just the nature of life. And it's not just in ministry. If you're in business, you go through the same thing. That's not new. <coughs> so for our Sunday morning team, when we have a training for them, we try to spoil them. We have food. People, if you can't get people to come to your trainings, tell them there will be food. They will come. It's, it's like if you build it, they will come. No, in ministry, if you feed them, they will come. That's how it works. So we, we feed them a nice meal. We play a couple of games, and then we get down to business. We talk about what's going well. We talk about what's not going well. We talk about what we can do to fix those things. And then the fun part starts because then we start with pre-service and we work our way through an entire service. And they serve in that faux service in the positions that they'll be in on Sunday morning. So my sound guy and my video guy are up in the crow's nest and they're still running music and slides and all the things. My puppet people are still in the puppet stage. It's not a matter of just let me tell you what you're going to be doing on Sunday. We walk through it because when you do something, when you've got your hands in it and your brain in it, you retain it what is 80% better than if you just hear it. So the things that I'm telling you guys now, please try to remember it. <laughs> when, you, when you're experiencing something, it sticks other parts of your brain kick in and it makes a connection. So when Sunday morning comes, instead of having 15 people run up to me and go, Pastor Mickey, I forgot, what did you tell me I'm supposed to do this morning? They've already done it. They've already been there and experienced it and they know what's going to be expected of them. So, <coughs> how do I retain them? Once you've got them there, that's not the end of the game. You've gone to God, you've asked God to show you who it is that you're supposed to have. You've prayed over it. You've carried it through. You've done the interviews and the background checks. You've trained them, and now they're on your team. How do you keep them there? The first thing, and this is so important, develop relationships. If you're in a small church, Tiffany, you were telling me that it's just you and another girl right now in your ministry. Take her out to lunch. Spend time with her. Get to know her. Find out what she's thinking and what she's feeling outside of ministry. Get to know one another. When you have a relationship with someone, it's much, much more difficult to step away and just quit because you feel like quitting. If you're in a bigger church, 
I have 120 volunteers. I cannot go to lunch with them every day. I would never, ever get anything else done. But what I've done is I've taken my 120 volunteers and I've broken them up into smaller teams. And I have a leadership team, and each member of my leadership team is over a certain group of volunteers, and they meet with them. I have a close relationship with my leadership team. My leadership team pours into the rest of the ministry, and I pour into them when I can. But they need someone that they can have a one-on-one face-to-face with and not feel awkward. They need someone that they already have a relationship with. So make sure that you develop relationships. I have a cramp in my throat. Woman, do it. Not here. <laughs> By doing a dance in the middle of the session. Awesome. The next thing that you need to do is pray for them. Please don't leave this out. You prayed and you asked God to show you who he was going to send to you. Now take hold of that and own it. Pray for them. Find out what they've got going on in their lives. With my team, they fill out cards or they email me, even the people who are not people that I'm directly connected with. They know they can email me, they can call the office and leave a message. I will pray for them. I have a running list. Pray for your people. If you're praying, anybody that you're praying for, you're going to develop a heart for them just because that's how God works and it's so awesome. I can be praying for nursery workers that I see once every six weeks and know when I see them that I love them and I care about what they're dealing with. They need to know that we care about them outside of ministry. They need to know that they matter, not just because I need a warm body rocking and praying over kids in the nursery, but because they're part of something much, much bigger. I get really emotional when we go there. The next one is you need to communicate with your team. I cannot stress that enough. You have got to communicate with your team. Use emails, use text, use Facebook. I'm working right now, Ethan, on video trainings so that I don't have to keep meeting with people over and over and over. Ethan works for our sound stuff, and he's Jeremy's brother-in-law, so... Yeah. Communicate with your team. And even things that you think are small and simple and insignificant, they may not be to someone on your team. If you have on your security team, Joe called off and Tim's taken his place, let your whole team know that change is happening because somebody may come in and see Tim standing at Joe's door and wonder what in the world's going on and feel like they've been left out of the loop and now you've got a hurt member who thinks that you don't care about what they think and you you don't want to have that happen. So make sure that you communicate with your team. Let them know when changes are happening. Let them know when you're changing programs. Let them know all the things. Over-communicate if you have to because you don't want to have people that wind up feeling like well, she told Stacy, but she didn't tell Derek, so she must not like Derek anymore. I'm sorry, Derek. <laughs> and it happens. And when you don't communicate, here's what happens. Derek doesn't come to me and say, Pastor Mickey, why didn't you talk to me? 
she goes to Stacy and says, did Mickey tell you that? Well, yeah, didn't she tell you? Well, no, she didn't tell me. Oh, sorry. And now Derek's got this big hole in his heart going, what in the world's going on? But on the flip side of that, and this is the hard part of communication, when you have a volunteer who has done or said something that they should not have done, deal with it then. Don't let it fester. Don't let it grow. Matthew 5 and Matthew 18 both tell us if there's an issue, you go to the person that you have the issue with. You don't go run to your whoever the person closest that's the wow I do speak English <laughs> the person that's closest to you in your ministry and tell them do you know what she did oh my word what am I going to do with that woman I just am ready to fire her and never ever work with her again what good is that going to do you've damaged someone's reputation you don't know why she made the choice that she or he made you don't know what they were going through in that moment and now you've destroyed them to someone else. That is so completely the opposite of what God's word tells us to do. So when you have to have the hard conversations, make sure that you have the hard conversations. When you have to have those conversations, please take the time. I, I, I know I sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but pray first. Take it to God. Ask him to give you clarity and wisdom about how to deal with this situation. It's never an easy thing to have to do. I had someone that I was working with that I trusted completely that he was looking at moving me into a new spot in his ministry. I gave him a list of references to check, and then all of a sudden, boop, there was nothing I would call and get short-heard answers. I would email and maybe I'd get a response. So finally, I got on Zoom with him and I said, tell me what I've done. And he said, well, it's not what you've done. I said, well, then tell me what happened. And he said, I said, did you call and check my references? Oh, yeah, I called and checked your references. And what did they say? Well, this one thought you were wonderful, and this one thought you were wonderful, and this one thought you were wonderful, but this one really knew you. Like, wait, what? Well, this last one, we had had a disagreement six months earlier, and I thought we had worked it out. But she didn't talk to me about the fact that she didn't feel like we had worked it out. And when he called her, she just verbal vomited all over him when she should have talked to me. So I called her, and I cleared it up, and she called him, and we got it all cleared up. But that could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. He could have, at, I mean, he's a national ministry. He could have destroyed my reputation, and no one would ever have wanted to talk to me again. So please, when you have those moments, make sure that you sit down with the people involved Find out, get both sides of the story, and work through it in a godly way. Do not just assume that the rumors that you're hearing are true. Do not just assume that if a parent comes to you and says, Do you know what she said to my little Johnny? That she was in the wrong. Find out from both sides what happened. 
and then bring those sides together and work it all out because it's much easier if you don't bring those sides together it's much easier for Dawn to be mad at me and hmm, <laughs> Troy to be mad at me and Stacy to step in and say okay you three we're <coughs> going to talk about this then it is and you would and I love that huh yes it's much less it's much more difficult for you to badmouth the people that are in the room and it's much easier for you to work it out if you get everybody in the room together and settle it rather than letting them run around and go and then you run around putting out little fires that should never have been allowed to start in the first place I'm sorry, Troy, you're just fun to pick on. So please, just to review what we've gone over, they told me 45 minutes and I'm gonna come in just under it. Pray, plan, train, and communicate. And if you do those things, you shouldn't have a problem with a constant revolving door in your ministry. Yes, you're going to have people that leave because life happens, but you probably won't have people leaving because they just don't want to work in your ministry anymore. Does anyone have any questions? Yes. I can send you a copy of this presentation. How do I'll just leave me your email address. Um, does somebody have a piece of paper? Troy, can you pass around a piece of paper? And if you want a copy of this, then you can just put your email address on there and I'll send it out in a mass email at the end. I don't normally do mass emails, but for this, I'll do a mass email. I don't want to send something to each of you. Yes. Yes. For my team, I have a Facebook page group, I'm not sure which it is, that is just for my team. I also use Planning Center, and in Planning Center, I send them their schedule. I send them a copy of the lesson for the Sunday. I send them a list of what their assignments are, and they know that when they get that, if they have any questions, they can contact me because I send it by Tuesday. So they've got plenty of time to get back with me on that. And with Facebook, it's the same thing. I send them everything out there, and like I said, we're working on video messages so that I don't have to type. I can just sit and talk because I talk much better than I type and get everything out there to them. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Right, right, exactly. Don't get that holier-than-thou thing going on because you'll lose them quick. She's right. Um, when I went into ministry, I was, I was working in law enforcement. I was an international dignitary security specialist. I had done security for the Dalai Lama and Margaret Thatcher and the first George Bush. And I was teaching at the academy in Toledo and the academy in Finley. 
and my boss called me and said, Mickey, we want you to teach three summer classes. That's unheard of because summer classes just don't happen. At the <laughs> we went out and we bought a new car. We said, we can afford this hot dog, here we go. And after the seven-day return thing for the car had passed, I got a phone call from my boss saying, we've got really low enrollment this summer, and we're very sorry, but we had to cancel all three of your classes. I yelled at God. I was a new Christian. I was like, what do you think you're doing? What in the world is going on? By the way, don't do that. It's stupid. Okay. <laughs> and God said very clearly, call Kitty College. I'm like, Kitty College is the daycare center in my church. No, you know what I do. You know who I am. You want me to call who? And he said, I want you to call Kitty College. And have you ever had the Holy Spirit hound you until you can't get away? Yeah, he was hounding me. So I went home. I ran upstairs. I called the daycare center. The director was a good friend of mine. I said, Gail, it's Mickey. Just tell me you don't need any help so I can get on with life. And she said, Honey, I don't know what's going on, but if you're looking for a job, you're an answer to prayer. Can you start tomorrow? <laughs> I said, okay. So I worked through the summer, and I found out that I love working with little people a whole lot better than I like working with big people. But I still, my husband was not saved yet. He is a very bottom line guy. The academy was paying me this. The daycare center wanted to pay me this and I said Lord if you want me to do this you're going to have to deal with him because I know what the answer is going to be so I went home I stood behind in our kitchen we had a bar and the kitchen was here and the dining room was there and I knew I could duck if he threw anything at me and I said this is what I feel like God's calling me to do now understand I'm talking to a man who didn't even believe God existed this is what I believe God's calling me to do. And he said, what does it pay? And I said, $6 an hour. <laughs> and he sat there and he looked at me for a minute. I couldn't figure out what he was thinking. And he said, will it make you happy? And I said, yes, it really would. And he said, then you have my blessing. Now understand, I was not that obedient. I went back and I taught at the police academy for one more semester while I taught at the daycare center. And disobedience to God is never a good idea. And by the end of that semester, I had walking pneumonia. I knew that I knew that I knew that I needed to just walk away from that and do this. And from then on, God has took me from working in a daycare center to being in children's ministry to leading children's ministry to now training children's pastors to do their job. And it just blows my mind. So... Prayer works, guys. It just does. Build a good team. Love on your team. Listen to what they have to say and train them well. And you will not have a problem maintaining your team. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, and that's something that I am working with. Right, right. Right. Which is wonderful for me. Yeah.
No, they don't. A lot of times they don't see it. A lot of times I check my email once a day. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I check my email. Before that, if my little pinger goes off, too bad. I've got other things going on. If so, Everybody that works with me knows that if there's an emergency, they either text me or call me. Right. Right, Tammy, I have found that Sunday is not the day to do that. It just doesn't work. Have you had a conversation with your pastor where you've asked, can I occasionally serve in the main sanctuary? Can I be a part of doing baby dedications or helping serve communion or something where it gets you out of the kid men wing and into the eyes of the congregation? Right, and this is why we're going to help you. Right. Exactly. You can use you can use both of those situations to put out a call that we're looking to build a kids ministry team. We're growing. We're really blessed. If you're interested, I'm not guaranteeing that you'll get a place, but if you're interested, please and have a sign-up sheet outside, and then be standing at that table when they come out the door, so they don't forget to stop and sign up. And then, yes. And they get to see your face and actually know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of kids' pastors that go through that. Laura. Yeah, 
Yeah, those names that you get. Absolutely. Always food. Always food. Exactly. Of course. There you go. That's a very good idea. Are there any more questions? No. Yes. You can. Mm-hmm. Right. When I went from to where I am now, we don't have a week. Um, it was very hard for me to go into ministry for a lot of reasons, and that would be like a whole nother session. But yeah, I, that's something I would be happy to do. Yes. Right. Yeah. We are living proof that God's got a sense of humor. Yes. Yeah. Right, right. And those those pivotal moments were things like that time in the car when I was arguing with God. Um, when he called me into ministry, when he called me into vocational ministry to go get credentials, I met with my lead pastor and I said, Daryl, this is what I feel like God's calling me to do. Please just tell me I'm crazy so I can stop and move on. And he jumped up from behind his desk and threw his arms up and said, Hallelujah, it's about time you figured it out. <laughs> like, wait, what? And then I met with, not Stacy, but the girl who was here before Stacy with Becky. And Becky knew my story. And I said, Becky, just tell me that I can't do this and give me some other suggestions and I'll move on. And she looked at me and she said, Mickey, God is going to take all that mess that was in your past and he's going to use it to help people now. And I walked out of that restaurant and I walked to my car and all I could think was two of my dearest friends have completely lost their mind. But they hadn't. And it took a while for me to get it. But once I got it, oh, and I let go of all the junk that was back there and I stepped into what God had for me, the doors have flown open and he sent me friends like Stacy and Derek and Don and <laughs> Roy. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been blessed more than I ever could imagine. So when God's calling you into something, it probably looks scary because he's calling us to do something that's too big for us to do. We need him. But be willing to step out and take that chance. And if any of you are going through that, you need somebody to talk to, my email address is mchristopher at dayspring.com, or you can just call Dayspring Church, and I would be happy to talk with you. You guys have... A wonderful rest of your day. Yes.